Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Text for this morning, the reading from Psalm 119 that Vicar has read to us just a few moments ago. Well, this is the second Sunday after Christmas. It's the ninth day of the 12 days of Christmas, if you're counting. And by the time we gather again next week, it'll all be over. And a new calendar year has arrived in the meantime, so Happy New Year. Since the end of November, we have been unwrapping God's gift that keeps on giving, namely the gift of Jesus, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. And the whole series was built loosely around the fruits of the Spirit recorded by Paul in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I'm always fascinated by these lists when they appear in the Scripture, paying particular attention to the first and the last words. For some reason, they always seem to stand out to me. In this case, love and self-control. Now by faith in Jesus, we are continuously receiving all of these gifts of the Spirit in an abundance into our lives every single day. But it is self-control that I would like for you to receive a little more of today. Unpacking the Psalms each week, we've been learning about Hebrew poetry. And so if you were able to be here last week, uh, Vicar Joel showed off his incredible knowledge of, Hebrew, of the Hebrew language and introduced it to us what is called an acrostic psalm, which is simply a psalm whose structure has been built by following the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And our psalm is uniquely one of those acrostic psalms. You may know this, but Psalm 119 has the distinction of being the longest chapter in the Bible. 176 verses, to be precise. Eight verses for every one of the 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Now, some of you may know that one of my hobbies is, is woodworking. And then I have built much of the furniture that's in our homes, bookshelves and dressers and beds and tables, end tables and coffee tables over the years. I enjoy starting with this rough sawn, uncut stock of materials and then working with them until they become something beautiful and useful. Well, in Psalm 119, the poet does some very fine word working. He takes the uncut stock of the raw Hebrew language and he shapes it into something that is both useful and memorable. Through the course of this psalm, he uses eight different synonyms for the scriptures, that is, for the Bible, that is, for God's revelation of himself, and he uses them to build an entire library of insight and understanding. He calls this revelation of God, the law, the testimonies, the precepts, the statutes, commandments, ordinances, word, and promises of God. 
And each one of them is slightly different in its color and its shape, like the facets of a precious gem. Seven of them appear in our text for today. You go all the way back to the beginning of Psalm 119 in verse 1. It begins with these words. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. And that metaphor for walking is a common and powerful metaphor in the scripture. And it runs all the way through this psalm. So I need you to remember that walking is not running. It's not leaping. It's not somersaulting. Walking is the methodical process of placing one foot in front of the other until you reach your destination. So what I'd like us to do is to take a look at this little portion of Psalm 119 and discover God's unique revelation of himself that opens up for us today a way to walk boldly into this new year. We're going to look at the how and the what and the why of this walking. How God's word works in us the ability to walk. What kind of walking does God's word produce in us? And then why we need his word to walk boldly into the new year. So first, how God's word opens up the way for us to walk. I put the verses up on the screen so you can refer to them as we work through the message today. And I want you to notice, first of all, that meditation is the beginning and the end of these opening verses. Now, maybe you picture someone sitting cross-legged and straight-backed going, um... But meditation is much more than that. In fact, we do it oftentimes without even thinking about it because meditation is simply when you roll things around in your head over and over and you think about them first from this way and then from that way as you try to make sense out of something. Unfortunately, meditation on God's word does not often come quickly or easily to us especially those of us who have a hard time sitting still for even a minute without looking at a screen. In this fast-paced, instant results culture that we live in, meditation on something like God's words can seem sometimes like, well, a waste of time. So I'd like to try and lead you through this morning a meditation on this portion of Scripture. Oh, how I love your law. Now, for those of you who have been raised Lutheran, you have had it drilled into your head that whenever you hear the word law, you are to immediately say, Aha! The Ten Commandments, the mirror that shows us our sin and our need for a Savior, the law, that's the bad news. And of course, I need you to hold on to that because that's true. But I also need you to know that that's only a part of what this word actually means in Psalm 119. 
In fact, when you take all eight of the synonyms used and put them together and you step back and you take a look at this psalm and you get the big picture, what you will discover is that with all of them together, they actually refer to the whole story of God from the beginning to the end. So look, if you meditate on God's story, first of all, you will grow wiser. And wisdom is absolutely critical for navigating this fallen, broken world that we live in. Look, wisdom is this acquired competence that you get with regard to the complex realities of life. Wisdom is the ability to think through the real-life situations that you must face and acknowledge that there is the challenge, oftentimes, of having to choose between the lesser of two evils and without wisdom that becomes very difficult the statement that you see I have more understanding than all my teachers or it could also be translated all my elders brings the gospel lesson that Vicar wrote for us today quickly into sharp focus when you meditate on the word other pieces of the Bible begin to conjure up in your mind from what you are meditating on So look, there's Jesus, who is in fact the whole revelation of God from the beginning to the end, all summed up in a person. In fact, one of Jesus' followers, a man named John, called him the Word made flesh. And there he is in the temple as a boy, dumbfounding the religious leaders of the day. Now, to have understanding is to see the way the world is supposed to work. It is being able to filter life through the lens of Jesus. The follower of Jesus receives cross and resurrection eyeglasses that allow you to make sense out of the world even when it seems incomprehensible Because you know God's story. You know that God is always at work bringing all things to completion according to his perfect plan. Paul, who was such a follower of Jesus, wrote these words of encouragement to a young pastor named Timothy when he said, You from childhood have been acquainted with the sacred writings, now listen, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So how can we walk boldly into 2022? Well, do you see that little word keep in verse 100? It means more than simply to obey. In fact, it means to hold on to and to protect And to not let go of no matter what happens. If you meditate on the story of God, on his revelation of himself recorded faithfully for us in the Bible. If you work it down into your head and into your heart, life will become open to you to go boldly into this new year. Now, I don't know what your experience is with the scriptures have been, it can be very discouraging sometimes. 
But it turns out that this meditation that I'm talking about is a lifelong and a cumulative process. So here's what I encourage you to do. Keep listening to sermons. Keep reading your daily devotions. Keep getting together with other believers and talk about your faith with them. And I promise you that bit by bit, your wisdom and your understanding will grow. We're going to open up a new opportunity for small groups here in just a couple of weeks. We sent out an email last Wednesday with a list of resources that you can use, I don't know, maybe to read through the Bible again this year. So the next question was, what kind of walking does God's word produce in our lives? Do you know the warning, watch your step? I can remember a sermon illustration that my father used in one of his sermons one time when somebody asked him, Gary, why do you always seem to be looking down at the ground in front of you when you are walking? And he explained, well, that's easy. I grew up on a farm. <laughs> and you better watch where you step or you will step in a big pile of, oh, well, how should we put it, natural fertilizer. Look, immersed in the revelation, immersed in the story of God, you can watch your step. You can hold back your feet from every evil way. Like what? Well, the way of following your own fallen human instinct. Selfish, self-absorbed, self-centered, self-sufficient, self-indulging, self-medicating. Do you notice the common word? Look, rigid legalism is an evil way of the hyper-religious that has destroyed the faith of many, many people in this country. And mindless immorality, you know, if it feels good, do it, is the ditch on the other side of the road. But this isn't that complicated. I mean, Paul made a list in that letter to the Galatians right before the fruit of the Spirit. He said, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and etc. Jesus made a list in Mark chapter 7. From within the heart, out of man's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. But look, there it is again in the last verse. That little word, keep. More than simple obedience, this is treasuring, this is honoring, this is guarding, this is holding on to the word of God and keeping it near and dear to your heart. Look, to turn aside implies to take a detour, to look for a shortcut and get lost. I happen to enjoy the humor of the cartoonist Gary Larson in The Far Side. And I 
saw a cartoon this week and unfortunately couldn't get copyright permission for it to actually project it up onto the screen, so you'll have to use your imagination, which is more powerful than the screens anyway. But here's what his little cartoon depicted. There's a fork in the road, and the sign at the fork has one way labeled the beaten path, and the other simply says off. And the couple that is strolling that way has the caption under them that reads, I don't know if this is a good idea, George. Look, the beaten path for those who meditate on God's word, I need you to fix firmly into your head and into your heart. This is the beaten path. That you were created in the image of God and that the very best life possible is the life lived in his real presence. That broken by sin, we instinctively walk, no, run away from God. But we are so loved and dearly loved by God that he comes running after us in the person of Jesus who sacrifices himself on the cross so that we can turn around and we can come back home. By faith in Jesus, God restores us over and over and over again to his real presence until that day when Jesus will come again in glory and put the world right once and for all. How can you tell whether you are actually making progress, walking boldly with God? You see that last verse? God's way, the beaten path of his word, will become sweeter and more precious to you than trying to find your own way. So, for example, when the choice is between, I don't know, coming to church on the 2nd of January or doing whatever else there was to do today, the opportunity to participate in worship, to sing his praises, to experience his real presence in the word that you hear proclaimed in the water of baptism as you saw it performed this morning in the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper when we celebrate Holy Communion, all of that becomes sweeter than sleeping in or going to the beach or playing golf. Or, for example, the opportunity to serve someone besides yourself. That is an act of kindness going out of your way to help your spouse or your child or your parent or your neighbor or a stranger or even your enemy actually becomes sweeter to you than getting even. Or minding your own business. Or being oblivious to whatever is happening in the lives of people around you. Here's another example. Generosity. Ridiculous generosity. Becomes as sweet as all of those little Christmas sweets that you can't seem to pass by last week. Look, we had an opportunity recently to help one of the members of this congregation 
with a donated car to replace a broken down, unreliable one and some funds for a very tight moment of uncertainty in their lives. And I am telling you that the look on their faces was sweeter than honey. As you meditate on the story of God, as you roll it around in your head over and over again, and as you press it down into your heart, you will begin to develop, I don't know, self-control that will bring you more and more delight. So what's left? Oh. Why do we need God's word? Why do we need his revelation of himself if we're going to walk boldly into 2022? Well, here's the last verse. In a world full of false ways, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father that is into God's presence for which you were created except through him. But Jesus' way is the way of the cross. And it is absolutely not natural for us. Because the way of the cross is to deny yourself, to stop building your own little personal kingdoms, and to instead enter into the kingdom that God has prepared for you, the world put right through faith in Jesus. And it is meditation on the word that will embed Jesus so deeply into your way of thinking that it will begin to feel odd and strange and wrong and false to go any other way. This is the transformation of your heart and of your mind to become more and more human, more and more like Jesus. But our fallen nature thinks that whatever Jesus would ask us to do is going to be dull or boring or, or, or missing out on all the fun that's out there in the world. When in fact following Jesus in the way of the cross results in the very best, most excellent life possible. You might even call it an adventure. I want you to think of it this way. Sin is actually the most boring thing in the world. There is literally nothing new under the sun when it comes to sin. Not one time has God ever been shocked by your sin. Never saw that one before. On the other hand, living by faith is fresh. And it is new every morning. And God giggles with delight when we do even the smallest act of love or joy or peace or patience or kindness or goodness or gentleness or faithfulness or self-control. Guess what comes right after verse 104 in Psalm 119? Verse 105, that's right. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. God's word opens the way for us to walk boldly into 2022. Amen. Now the peace that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in this true faith 
unto life everlasting. Amen.